Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. Nobody wants to end up in this position, nor do I, right? Uh, but what I think everyone has to realize is if they can do this to me, um, they can do this to everyone else. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the last days. Oh, the beginning of the last days. My name's Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson. I had an absolutely fabulous weekend. How was yours? I am learning to just take back my joy and get back a sense of stability and peace. Does that mean anything's changed? Does that mean that I don't think the global elites are not, you know, half out of their their minds or even fully out of their minds no it doesn't i i think they're completely crazy but what i feel is that i'm putting all my hope and my strength and my source of peace into god and god alone so i was reading uh, from my dad's bible this morning and I, I like to read you things that he underlined when he was here on this earth and uh, today it's from psalms 100 and it says, serve the Lord with gladness, with gladness. So we're on this planet and we're supposed to serve God. We can do that in several different ways. We can do that with anxiety. We can serve the Lord and we can be like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, or we can be serving the Lord with gladness in our hearts. And it says, uh, come before his presence with singing. Now, I love to sing. <laughs> nobody else does um likes me to be doing that when i when i'm around but i i love to sing and i just do it in my heart to the lord and then it says know ye that the lord he is god it is he that has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture you know there's been a lot said about being sheep right well we want to be sheep to the lord but we want to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove towards those that do not know God. And finally, it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You know, I was taught something very special, and I'm glad that I was taught this. And that is that um, we don't come into God's presence just, you know, declaring uh, our needs I, I need this. I need that, Lord. I, you know, fix this. Fix that in my life. No, no, no. We come into God's presence with gratefulness, with thanksgiving for what he's done, for what he's already taken care of, for how he has maneuvered every crisis we have ever been through. Hasn't he been good? He has. He's taking care of every single thing. So I am trusting him to get me through. I've got a really cool verse at the end of, of today's broadcast. Uh, I, I've been listening in my Bible gateway at night to all of the stories of the kings. And it's very clear, and I say this again, that whoever served God, God blessed their rulership. Whoever uh, did not follow the ways of God, God did not prosper and bless the entire nation when they were uh, not, not honoring his ways. So could it be that what we're going through right now, could it be that this is God's way of dealing with our nation because our leaders are corrupt 
and at fault. And so God is allowing a season of complete unrest. Does it mean he won't take care of us in the middle of it? It does not. It does not mean that. And I know that some of you can say, but bad things have happened to good people. And boy, the, the, I think the passage we read on Friday was that it rains on the just and the unjust. That's so true. But according to the word of God, his favor always rests. He helps us to deal with the sadness, the grief, the brokenness, things that happen. And some things are so very, very painful. But his favor rests on those who are righteous and do what they are, are called to do before him for their lives. And I trust him for that. So what I think is going on in the world right now is, is a whole bunch of things have happened that is revealing, pulling back as it were an onion skin to reveal the deeper parts of the evil that we have. And let's, let's remember something. Evil is not a what, it's a who. Evil is the enemy himself. So we're dealing with a very bad enemy on our planet. And there are certain things that we can do to get through it all. Uh, before we get on to our amazing guest today, and I just thank you so much. Thank you for um, all of your wonderful letters. I am inundated with so many emails that I can't get to them all. So I'm so sorry if I don't get back. I'm getting someone to help me a little bit with stuff like that. Um, so that that's going to be one of the, the, the good things in this new year. I'm going to try to get back to every single person that we possibly can. So are we still on YouTube? Uh, we are. Okay. So we're on YouTube right now. Um, all right, well, let's go to this video. Jessica Robb, a young Canadian CTV reporter in Edmonton, uh, suffers a sudden medical emergency during her live broadcast. Have you seen this yet? Take a look. We're happy that something is being done, but this is something that they've been asking for since day one. So for them, this is about a thousand days too late. Now, Nairman, I, looking at uh, after the, to the, the day, families are pushing feds to pushing the feds to sorry airman i'm <laughs> i'm i'm not feeling very well right now and i'm about to okay we'll come back to and... me right now and we'll make sure that jessica you are doing okay thank you we will make sure that jessica is okay so and we will give you guys an update a little bit later to make sure that she is doing all right she is not alone she is with uh hmm. so we've seen a lot of that kind of thing going on um we have seen many different reporters uh athletes people caught on video suddenly having some sort of happening and um also uh strokes and even death so that's where we're at right now um I guess all-cause mortality across the world is up. People are asking a lot of questions about that. I'd like to, um, could we do my share right now before we let YouTube go? YouTube, we're going to let you know that we, we've got stuff to talk about today that is probably um, out of respect. We're going to just let our, the YouTube uh, broadcast go. We have the link to the, in the YouTube chat, there's a link to Rumble, which you can just click on. And you will go to where we're live today on Rumble. And we love uh, Rumble, BitChute, these platforms that are allowing 
us to speak the truth and, and tell the facts. I mean, everything that we gather for this show, uh, my husband and I, we are very, very careful to want to bring things that are, uh, can be proven and that they've got, you know, corroborating evidence to go with it. So if I could show you my share, uh, right now, this is from NSW health surveillance data, and this is the rates per 1 million population by the vaccine status. And uh, this is all fully verified. So if we go to this right here, so, oh, that's annoying that it's doing that. Okay. So uh, I got to go a little bit smaller. I, oh, shoot. Oh, dear. Now I went to the wrong, like, I got to go back. Click the top box. Oh, yeah, here. Oh, there it is. Okay, thank you. Um, on this here, if I can pull this up a little bit. All right, so at the bottom here, right here, this line, these are the unvaccinated, okay? Um, so this is the rate of events per 1 million population by vaccination status count at the start of the observation week. And this was taken, let me see. Um, so these, these data are events with COVID and not necessarily because of COVID. Uh, the observed events show when you've got um, the four, this line right here, the green is the four doses, okay? And it's basically showing, yeah, the bottom is the date. So when you get to December, 2022, in the hospitalizations, um, uh, this is what's happening. So the non-vaccinated are staying right down here like this. So this is in Australia. Australia releasing this incredible information on the fact that after the fourth dose, there is a significant spike in hospitalizations and death. And this is what Dr. Mackis has been also reporting in Canada, that the deaths of doctors, it's way up. That's verifiable by what you would be expecting it to be by this year and by the end of last year in particular, that everything has spiked up. And we're seeing that data from around the world after the fourth dose, that seems to be the problems, where the problems come in. So you can find this graph and you can go through it because some of you love to just look at all the ins and outs. Um, you can put these different things, uh, age. So these, it's on Flipboard. So you can go uh, into age adjustment. So 80 to 89, for instance, right? So this is uh, the, uh, the vaxxed and count all unvaxxed. That's the dark blue. The best case percentage vaxxed of age group in hospital. So this light blue are all vaccinated. The dark blue lines are pretty much at the top of each of these categories for every single age group, that tiny little bit. 
So what we are showing is uh, they do call it something that I'm not going to say right now on this uh, platform. So let's let YouTube go because I'm already skating on thin ice. I have a feeling I'm, I'm watching my words. And um, if you're on YouTube, just head on over to Rumble and you're going to love our guest today and we'll talk more about everything. So if we've said goodbye to YouTube now, uh, could we play then, the, this is a dire warning from virologist and vaccine expert, uh, a dire warning to all parents about vaccinating children. Take a look. Today I'm talking to you because it is about your children and I'm really begging you, I'm begging you to not vaccinate your children against COVID-19. I will explain you that if you vaccinate them, if you vaccinate children, it's gonna become thousand times worse. So if you are going to vaccinate your children, you are going to turn this transient situation into something that is permanent, that is going to suppress the innate, anti, uh, the innate immune system for a long time, that it is not going to be able to be trained or to be educated to recognize all the viruses it should recognize, but instead can even be pushed to recognize components of its own body that suppress in fact, or that will lead, that will lead to autoreactivity and immune pathology. And that is irreversible. Think about this. This is irreversible and very, very serious. So it will lead to a tremendous storm of acute COVID death. There is no doubt about this and very severe immune pathology. I, I swear you, I have 30 years of vaccine expertise. And this is not a joke. And there is no uh, way that parents can simply accept the very cheap publicity and, you know, the mainstream message, get your child vaccinated. It is extremely dangerous. What I'm talking about is much more dangerous even than the side effects that people are discussing. So please bear this in mind. I beg you, I really beg you, don't vaccinate your child because in many cases it will be a death sentence for the child well i don't think we can say it uh much more clearly than that and that is a man with tremendous expertise that we should be listening to and yet we've got dr Teresa tam dr bonnie henry telling our parents that it's safe and effective. Uh, Dr. Mackis is outlining the many children that have now died in Canada after getting the shot. So this is of epic proportions. This is so serious. The reason we do this and the reason we keep harping day and night on this subject is I can't think of anything more important than saving kids' lives right now. And since the narrative out there is so pathetically wrong, coming right down from people like Dr. Fauci, I feel that we have to keep speaking up on it. Please do not, do not vaccinate your kids.
All right. So Dr. Fauci seems to have been pulled from retirement at this time to kind of give a narrative on Damar Hamlin. You'll remember him. He is the football player that um, collapsed on the field last week. And so Fauci's supposed to be taking it easy on the Riviera, sipping Mai Tais. Uh, and instead, uh, they've got him uh, front and center again because there's nobody that can lie like Dr. Fauci. Take a look. Dr. Fauci, I don't know if you saw it, but on Monday Night Football this week, DeMar Hamlin, a player for the Buffalo Bills, collapsed on the field. You're not an NFL expert, and you're not an expert on any cardiovascular issues the player might have had. But what I want to ask you about, Dr. Fauci, is, as I want to do in moments like that, I kept an eye on Twitter. And I can't tell you exactly how many minutes transpired, but it was less than 20 before people on Twitter began to say, well, clearly the vaccine caused his seizure. And that had a multiplier effect on Twitter, as these things tend to do. What's your reaction to that? Well, my reaction is one of concern about... Isn't it horror? Borderline? More than concern? Yeah, it's horror that misinformation and disinformation, uh, when you have a platform like social media that exponentially spreads in its best form proper and important and value-added information can spread, which is good. Yes. The thing as a public health person and as a physician and a scientist, and my, my identity as a physician is the thing that gets pained the most by that. Because what that means, Major, is that yet again, another conspiracy theory, complete nonsense, is going to have some people make a decision for themselves and their family not to get vaccinated. So does he mean the horror is that we think the vaccinations are doing this or does he mean the horror is that people are attributing it to the vaccines in error? That's what he's talking about, this guy, right? Oh, you know, at some point you just have to say, well, top up your boosters, you know, done all that we can. So Dr. Anthony Fauci, I have a book around here. Uh, yep, that's the one. And this is a book I recommend that you all get. And it's by, uh, Dr. Robert F. Kennedy. And this book talks about who the real Dr. Anthony Fauci is. And when you realize that this is not his first rodeo, this is not the first time that he has told people to, to take a drug that is unsafe way back in the eighties. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci was behind AZT being given to the homosexual community that were coming down with AIDS. And it apparently turns out that it wasn't just, you know, AIDS was bad. People had to figure out how to, how to deal with it all. But what, what was really bad was that the drug that they gave to the gay community, AZT, killed them. Dr. Anthony Fauci spearheading that. Then Dr. Anthony Fauci comes out with, first of all, lying and definitely covering up. You can tell that through his emails. Dr. Anthony Fauci has covered up his role in Wuhan in giving money for gain of function, uh, you know, 
testing, trying to make viruses more harmful. He's lied about his role. And you can tell that where you see his emails with, is it Peter Daszak, I think, where they are just covering their butt as stuff starts coming out about all of this. Well, Dr. Anthony Fauci then lies about, um, lies. Uh, I see that my screen is all like, like, you know, all bizarro world. So having a little problem with how this goes today. Um, but then Dr. Anthony Fauci is telling people that they should go on remdesivir. And remdesivir, as it turns out, has killed many, many people. If you're going into the hospital, please never take remdesivir. You will not hear this on CBC, CTV, or Global Tonight, but never take remdesivir. All right, one more final video before we move on, I believe. And that is, or maybe, well, the, this is a peaceful arrest of peaceful citizens at the government house. Yeah, oh, do Corey next. Yes. So Dr. Pierre Corey goes off on the journalists and the media for their mass delusion and censorship. And this is really going to lead into uh, our guest today, a doctor that we'll be speaking to from Canada. And basically this mass media delusion and censorship has caused us in Canada and around the world extreme problems. This is Dr. Pierre Corey. This mass delusion that we're all under through unrelenting propaganda and censorship, they're censoring all these things. If I have to read one more article of a young person dying where the word vaccine isn't even mentioned as a possibility, it's absolutely disgusting. And, and call out all the producers, everyone who runs these media things, every journalist who goes to work and writes that article and refuses to talk about what's in everyone's mind. You know, you, you are complicit. You are complicit. And you want to keep your job because you can't write the article that you know you're supposed to and morally and ethically supposed to write, which is the truth, the facts. You give all of the information that's available. You can talk about possibilities. You can write an article where it doesn't say it is the vaccine, but you could maybe – if you had ethics or morals or honesty or integrity or courage or conviction, you might want to write that, hey, maybe it's the vaccine. 16-year-olds, it's extremely rare to die. How many have we seen dying? 16, 18, 20, 22. And by the way, a 32-year-old athlete or a marathoner going out for a jog shouldn't be dropping dead either. A 42-year-old is distinctly rare. Yet now it's so common, we're used to it. I met Dr. Pierre Corey uh, this last summer in the United States as he traveled and spoke with the United States trucker convoy that had been inspired by the Canadian Convoy 2022, real doctors speaking up. And then there's a real woman uh, actually trying to protest and they accuse her of, um, and this is in England, I believe. Uh, oh, this is in Australia as well. So this is a woman, she has been peacefully protesting at the government house for a very long time. And these police officers are arresting her and saying basically that she is, um, she's stalking. <laughs> and so I don't know if you have the, the part in it. I think it's at like the two minute mark somewhere, 2.30 or something where basically they begin arresting her. So go ahead. Well, like who this, this actually looks pretty intimidating really here. Intimidating One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're intimidating us. Would you like me to answer your question? Yes, but you're intimidating us. 
You're welcome to walk away. But what I need to I need to tell you some things. I need to comply with. Say where you are. Yes, tell me. No, you don't get to say where I stand. Well, you don't get to say where I stand. We do because we're based in law, okay? Oh, that's what law. law. So your activity here constitutes a stalking, your ongoing behaviour, okay? What behaviour? We're setting the premises. We stand here in a vigil. Thank you. The governor. The governor is intimidated by by us. By us. Okay. Yes, you did say the governor. Yes. The governor is intimidated by yes, us. Yes, the occupant is the governor. Come on, so go ahead. So we got one, two. You're welcome to put words in my mouth. You're welcome to put words in my mouth. You're so saying what I'm intimidated. Is, um, because you're fulfilling the elements of offensive stalking, we just need to grab your name and details. No, you don't have my name and details. I'm not stalking anyone. Okay, so we reviewed your behaviour. So who is stalking? My behaviour. I stand here every day. I say nothing to anyone. I'm not stalking anyone. Tell me who I am okay. stalking. So basically, in a few seconds here, what they're going to end up doing is completely arresting this, I don't know, she's an older gal, who is standing against the government and what they're doing, just like is happening in every single place in the world right now that has a modicum of, uh, you know, freedom left. And she is doing her part as a citizen. And pretty much, this is so intimidating to these uh, people and get, getting their marching orders by the government, they will eventually, if you jump ahead just a little bit, they're going to follow her here. It's very intimidating. They grab her and they're going to arrest her. And basically, for what for what they're saying is stalking, stalking a government building by standing there in a, in a country that proclaims to be free. This is the mess that we're in. Absolutely disgusting. Well, my guest today is uh, Dr. Crystal uh, Luchku. She is a family and palliative care physician from Barrie, Ontario, Canada. Prior to the pandemic, she was a highly respected physician with a renowned reputation for excellent, compassionate care. During the pandemic response, she recognized the extreme deviation from the fundamental principles of medical practice and soon after began witnessing serious harms occurring disproportionately to her elderly patients. A doctor who sees for herself, we've got a problem. Hmm. Her patients um, at end of life and her mental health patients all experiencing difficulties. Dr. Lutchkew maintained and even increased her critical scrutiny of scientific literature. She questioned the balance that is necessary for all public health measures. In speaking out about the increasing harms to her patients and the public in her community, she was targeted by hospital administrators. Wow. Where have we heard that before? And ultimately, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, who moved to suspend her medical license in March 2022. Since her suspension, she has supported her patients, advocated for their access to medical care. She is pursuing legal action against the college uh, for unlawfully interfering with her constitutional rights and for overreaching beyond their lawful authority to investigate and punish physicians. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Crystal. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you being here. Hi, Laura Lynn. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Um, you've also, you have been on with us before with Dr. Trozzi and a group of, of people that are now struggling very, very hard in Canada. Uh, there are many now on the list of physicians that have been wrongfully, um, 
basically chastised and and some of them losing their licenses for telling the truth about what's been happening. Can you tell me your experience and lead us into how you began noticing some of these things that I just mentioned and what actions you took and where we are today? Sure. So um, really, when they first started in March of 2020, um, with the announcement of a lockdown, um, I knew very readily that uh, that was going to have serious impacts on elderly people. So in my practice, I predominantly have um, elderly patients and palliative patients. And the number one thing that we learn when we're learning about care of the elderly is isolation kills. So red flags were going off in my head right away. And I was very kind of aware to keep an eye on my, my elderly patients, a very close eye. And so uh, within uh, the first month of the lockdowns, I started seeing um, despair and loneliness and weight loss and increasing falls and worsening dementia in patients that were highly functional and completely independent prior to this. Yes, they might have had some mild cognitive impairment or, um, you know, some unsteady gait or things like that, but they were actually uh, fully well to be living in the retirement home um, that I, that my office was in. And um, not being able to see their family or loved ones and have any support through all of this was absolutely devastating, leading to a lot of these uh, symptoms and um, conditions worsening. So you mean um, because uh, the families were getting locked out and not allowed to come and see their loved ones? Partially. There were some rules about visitation for, for patients, um, or I should say residents, in the retirement home. It was, it's not a, um, like one big unit. It's um, uh, kind of small outbuildings and everyone has their own little apartment or little house. And so uh, they couldn't really tell people you can't have any guests, um, but there were some very strict closures of all of their social um, gathering sites and, and um, activities and community. And there was uh, recommend, strong recommendations to not have any visitors uh, during certain time periods. And so then they, uh, you might see my little guy, sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. He's Cute. missing mommy. <laughs> of course. Oh, you want to say hi? hi? Hello. Hi. Nice to see you. Where is he? It's yeah. just right there. She's in BC. Okay, I'd have to go. go. Yeah, we like talking to your mom. Thanks for letting us have her just for a few minutes. <laughs> Thank you. So a lot of the issues also came from family members that were, uh, you know, terrified to spread anything to their elderly loved ones. So they would actually choose to not go in near them. They would only drop groceries off at their doorstep and things like that. I had one patient who actually um, didn't 
have any visitors uh, and she certainly didn't have any human contact or you know meaningful connection uh, in a year she hadn't had a hug in a year and that's totally devastating because these are basic human needs they're not um, something that we can negotiate with uh, particularly prolonged periods of time right we have one person online uh, crystal saying that um, some were not even allowed to leave like uh, they she they had a friend that was in a senior neighborhood and not not even a retire home, but they were not even allowed to leave. I mean, people had all of these rules imputed, uh, some of them literally dying alone, friends, loved yes. ones, not allowed to get in. I mean, this has been an absolute atrocity against our most precious senior citizens, our family members. And um, some people, even to this day, if you bring it up, they, they just have tears in their eyes because their father passed away and no one was allowed to go see him and he died by himself and it didn't need to happen. There's a lot of yes. pain left over from what our government has done. There is, and I've seen a lot of that. And particularly uh, with my my palliative uh, and end-of-life care uh, portion of, of my, my work. And it was um, absolutely devastating to, to see people in the hospital not be able to have their loved ones present. Mommy, can I have another freebie? Not right now. Sorry, buddy. Go no. see daddy, please. No freezies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. So, um, in the hospital, yeah. there was a really significant uh, harsh rules about visitation. And there was no visitation, or there was an hour here or there. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry. You need to go, buddy, okay? I'll be done in a bit. Call my mom Okay. Like 10 minutes, okay? Okay. Shut the door. Shut the other door, too. Poor guy. Um, I know. He's only four. And, you know, he's been waiting, like, just to let everyone know, too. Like, we were supposed to get going a lot earlier, and we had some technical difficulties. So we got off to air uh, a lot later than we thought. And so your your little guy's been waiting. So we totally understand. Yeah. Go ahead, Crystal. He's so, he's so good. So in, in the hospital, um, I, I was working uh, doing palliative care there, as well as in hospices and um, in the community at people's homes. And it was really uh, absolutely just cruel to see um, people, their last wishes were to have their family with them and they didn't want to die alone. And uh, there was zero compassion. It was all about uh, the material, you know, this virus. And, um, you know, it, it really, really broke my heart. And I had to advocate for my patients and their needs. And I did so um, uh, very vocally and respectfully, but there was, there was people that were just not, <laughs> no, the cat. Um, there was just some of the administrators. Uh, there was 
no heart and compassion and empathy for what people are suffering through um, and no regard for the illness journey or the traumatic experience of the family members who are, you know, supporting people in, in their medical illnesses or their end of life. And so when I, uh, when I had a patient that was in a nursing home and, and her daughter uh, was also my patient, call me. Uh, she, she wanted me to help her get her mom out of the, of the nursing home because it was like torture yeah. for, for her mom. Her mom had dementia and seeing her children, you know, on an upper floor through a window um, at, at Christmas time and not being able to hold their hands and hug them and have have her daughter brush her hair and you know these are the things that give meaning to life yes. and they've been negated for far too long and i've watched it all happen and it's it's absolutely devastating to me and to my patients and their families and the way that i've been treated for expressing my concerns and my questions, because there's always there's always multiple ways to deal with any crisis in any situation, and to only be allowed to deal with it in one particular way that was so obviously harmful to the most vulnerable people, and really to all people, um, was just insane, yeah. and they treated me as if. I was crazy mm -hmm. as if, um, you know, it, it was okay to, to raise your voice, yell at me, name, call me, label me, bully me, um, ostracize me and complain about me to the point that it ends my career. Um, which is, uh, really unfortunate because I get emails all the time from patients and even from people that are not my patients. Um, you know, supporting the position that I've taken, which is completely humanistic, it's completely ethical, and it's completely by the existing laws of our country that surround the medical treatment of another human being. And so... Um, and that makes me feel scared, uh, Dr. Crystal, because none of us feel very safe about how people have been treated this last couple of years and nobody wants to go to the hospital anymore. I mean, you feel like you want to be on death's door before you actually have to go there because you don't know if you're coming out, but they haven't been very good. And didn't Dr. Trozzi and Dr. Shoemaker uh, try to help you and to, to assist you with um, your patients? And then Dr. Trozzi, did he get actually suspended for that? Yes, he did. So Dr. Trozzi and, uh, sorry, I'm just going to close the door. Dr. Trozzi and Dr. Shoemaker both, uh, between the two of them agreed that they could probably cover my practice and my patients, which at the time I had about 1,400 patients left on my roster. Um, so they agreed that they could probably cover uh, the care needs of my, my patients, and that would allow me to try to salvage and maintain the like the office space and the practice that I had worked very hard uh, to create and develop. And the very day that 
Dr. Shoemaker started, he um, was notified that he was getting some kind of um, delivery uh, registered mail from uh, from the college. And the very same day that Dr. Trozzi saw patients in my office, uh, he was notified that his license was suspended. So it it's for helping totally, people for helping my patients. So so my patients have been disproportionately Canadians. harmed. Canadians, Canadian citizens, Ontarians. yeah, ordinary people. Who They're who good was the people? What um, if I could ask, like what? What was their, what did they think the patient should do? Or was, were they just taking issue that it's another doctor with the same stand and the same courage that you had been showing? Like Dr. Trozzi, Dr. Shoemaker have been basically telling the truth and have been shunned for it. Was that, was that yeah. their issue really that it was the same type of doctor? Yes. So their issue is that, um, that Dr. Trozzi and Dr. Chris Shoemaker are are both um, speaking out publicly, um, and they are speaking the truth. They are sharing a lot of the data um, and focusing a lot on the harms related to these new injections. And the college, I, I it honestly seems that they have been put on order to. Uh, remove any physician that is dissenting, any physician that is publicly speaking out about the harms of these policies. And some of them aren't even policies. They are actually uh, college recommendations. Um, and we're not even sure where they fully come from. You know, we've asked the college for um, various pieces of information that could help us understand better um, because they are acting outside of their their legislative authority and they refuse to provide us any particulars or any proof of what what their claims are we've asked them to define misinformation because all of us have actually been accused of spreading misinformation and they have not defined that and they won't define that and it's very troubling and concerning because they are removing physicians who are expressing concern and listening to patients and listening and seeing the harms and they're brave enough to speak out about it and lose their careers and their livelihoods and their reputations um and and they they haven't stopped they haven't yes. stopped yes and i just i just want to say from every single person listening right now from Canadians across this country that we are so grateful for your courage, Dr. Crystal, that you have done something extraordinary that most of your colleagues, unfortunately, have been unwilling to do. They have rather chosen a paycheck and chosen cowardice rather than to highlight that something's wrong. Dr. Charles Hoff, uh, in particular, did we lose her? No. No, I'm here now. Yeah. 
Okay. Oh, we just had a little glitch in the internet um, thing. Um, but Dr. Charles Hoff in particular, when he began to see some of the harms you're talking about, in fact, a death in Lytton, British Columbia, these vaccines were rolled into the First Nations community and he saw so many harms that he was alarmed and he tried to get a hold of them. Nobody responded to him or cared. Well, as a physician, he felt that, well, he thought he would be heard. He was in most shock to find out that they weren't willing to listen. Have you been shocked that what you have done out of the um, ethics of your being a doctor, first do no harm, speak the truth, do your very best, have you been shocked that you haven't been supported? Absolutely. Uh, I had no idea that my medical community um, is actually capable of of just dropping me like a hot potato kind of thing. Wow. Um, yeah, there's been uh, almost zero support. I will say that there was a, a couple of uh, very lovely physicians, uh, female physicians, and a couple of older male physicians who reached out to help initially with some of the uh, lab work. Because as a family physician, our uh, the tests that we order are delayed, right? And so those results can sometimes take um, a while after the tests as well. And I was not allowed to um, do any, give any medical advice. And I wasn't even sure if I could go into my own inbox and check my patient's results. Um, and so I had to have people, and unfortunately I did have a couple reach out. Uh, but other than that, there's been nothing. It's been radio silence. Um, and in fact, I've actually been treated very poorly from um, the family health team in which I was a part of. Um, it, it's very short and curt and nobody has even asked me how I'm doing. Not a single person has called me to have a conversation with me to understand my perspective better um, and to see, you know, if I'm even uh, okay, going through this and supported and and why do you think that it's is? Shocking. What it, what? Why do you think is it because they know they'll get in the same trouble as you, and now you've been sort of made an example of. So, and I think that's that's fair because the threats are so severe and so real, right? I am one of the few examples that were um, that had been severely disciplined and punished uh, very quickly and early on. And um, nobody wants to end up in this position, uh, nor do I, right? Uh, but what I think everyone has to realize is if they can do this to me, um, they can do this to everyone else. Yes. So, and the college's claims are actually very dangerous. Um, I haven't committed any offense other than uh, they, you know, they're now claiming that I didn't cooperate with them. Um, and, and they think that no matter what, you have, to invest, you, you have to cooperate with an investigation, but they have to meet the legal criteria to be able to start an investigation against a physician. And they have not, and they have not shown us any evidence that we've requested. They haven't engaged in any um, you know, good faith conversations and they've lied 
about me and framed me in a particular light and narrative. Um, you know, they've made claims about my my ideological um, uh, thoughts and framework about uh, vaccinations, and they have never even had a conversation with me. The same as the hospital administrator in my community who complained about me. He, it there was a concern that I. I had a patient who went to the hospital that was immunocompromised because he had a organ transplant remotely. And he told the doctor treating him that he had a, uh, an exemption. Nobody saw the exemption and the patient himself refused to say who authored it. And they looked in his chart and they saw that my name was his family doctor and they assumed and made the complaint based on an assumption and so far, all of this has gone forward based on an assumption and that these are only recommendations, but yet they're using them as if they have some kind of force of, of law and, and they don't. So the whole thing is extremely corrupt and very damaging to our entire healthcare system uh, our profession. There's no professionalism whatsoever left anymore. And there's nobody that's willing to help us. Um, you know, there's a few lawyers, but you know, we've been put out of a job for 10 months now, no income. Uh, it's very difficult to uh, navigate and try to find something else after this trauma. And I yes. call it a trauma because it has been horrifying. Um, what I've gone through and what my family has gone through and what my patients are going through. And it's, it's just completely unnecessary. Well, completely I'm trying to imagine. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine that I went to school for all those years to become a doctor and I do the very best job with a compassionate heart, with empathy, uh, having all of the, the best qualities of a doctor, because we've all had doctors that actually, quite frankly, like they're just, they're horrible people. Oh, so you still don't enjoy the experience. But what I hear from you is it feels like that you put your heart and soul into this. You love people, you have compassion and you have courage. So when you see that things, something's not adding up as many doctors do across Canada, across the United States, across the world, screaming from the, the mountaintops that we have an escalating uh, all mortality death rate going on across the world now that we see that in 2020 when there should have been these exorbitant numbers from a, a death rate we actually have the video of bill gates now stating that really the death count you know had we known it would be more like just a, a regular flu maybe we wouldn't have freaked out the way we did but you know now people are beginning to admit that you, you shouldn't be vaccinating children, a lot of things like this. Doctors are screaming from the hilltops about sudden adult death syndrome, children dying, doctors dying, in fact. And all the while, silence from the mainstream media, as Dr. Pierre Corey pointed out, silence from other doctors. And here's the thing I want you to know, Dr. Crystal, is that I do get emails and I do get calls from those who basically do not have the courage you have, but are also uh, aware that something's really wrong, but they're not willing to do the hard work that you've been doing. 
And and I have heard many um, stories, although it's through through patients of mine, um, about doctors who have mentioned, um, you know, that that they support me or that they um, they're on the same page, but they can't um, express that, and it's a real shame. I I never in a million years could have imagined that medicine would end up in a position where money and a pharmaceutical product um, mattered more than human lives and, and, and the quality of human lives. You know, as a palliative care physician, my perspective and my approach is quite different than a lot of people's. And during my training, I spent a lot of time uh, observing uh, the interactions between other physicians and, and patients, and I saw a lot of bad behaviors that I would never treat patients in that manner. Um, I saw a lot of uh, just dismissal and disregard and, um, and and recklessness, to be honest. And nobody likes to admit these things, and nobody wants to, you know, reflect and look at themselves and see, am I one of those physicians? Um, but everyone needs to. And it's it's really gotten to the point where if we don't uh, kind of do a self-evaluation and really sort of deep contemplative exercises within ourselves, each and every physician that's practicing during this COVID era, um, and, and really determine what is it that you're in this profession for? Is it for the betterment of human lives and human health and prosperity um, and society? Or is it for, for money and self-interest? Because I could never live with myself if I chose the path of money. Money comes and goes. Money is actually fictitious, right? It's a, it's a construct a tool for us to use. Human lives are invaluable and irreplaceable. And I think we've lost track and, and lost um, value in what's really important. And that's, that's where my perspective, I think, shines a little bit um, more light on onto the qualitative kind of measurement of what we're doing. Um, numbers can always be uh, helpful, but they can also be manipulated. Um, but when you see somebody's authentic suffering because of you know, the college's decision to suspend my license and now they can't get life-sustaining or life-saving medications any longer, or they can't find a doctor or any appropriate medical care, it's inexcusable. And we have to stop accepting this substandard level of uh, medical system because right now it's like a regime um, and, and we have the power, like all of us together. The few of us are not going to budge, but we're being destroyed in, in the, the meantime. So it would be really helpful if everyone did do a pause and a deep dive into their own souls and their own spirit and, and really look to see, have I been uh, practicing humanistic medicine? 
Because if we're not, compassionate ethical medicine, what are we doing? You have no business treating any human lives if you're not doing those first things, those first principles at the very beginning. 100%. You are such a courageous and amazing person. And um, I just, my deepest hope and prayer for you is that justice will come. Um, can people follow you? Do you have a sub stack or a writing at this point? Are you communicating with, are you on Twitter? Um, because people want to follow your journey. Oh, thank you. I, I am on Substack, um, and I think it's uh, Dr. Crystal's Perspectives Okay. Um, on Substack. I can send you the link. I'm not sure if that will yes. be helpful, or I can so post Dr. it on the So Dr. Crystal's comments. Perspective on Substack. Yeah. Yeah. We can get that I'm put up I'm not on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was banned from Twitter, or, I don't know, in early 2021 and I just haven't gone back on it. I, I'm not sure that I really want to. Yes. Um, so I think for now, that's probably the best place to just kind of find my journey and, and my work. Um, and I think eventually I'll probably develop a website and things like that, but I'm, I'm just not there yet. I, I almost feel like it's sort of like the twilight zone is here. You know, we're living this huge psyop where the truth is not being told and we'll let you go to be with your family. But I almost feel like we're in sort of a, a twilight area where it's between what the the real doctors like yourself who are willing to tell the truth can actually do to save us because we need you. I'm telling you right now, like I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on television and, and I can't with expertise do the things and say the things that you're saying. You are speaking the truth. You have the the education and expertise behind you to be able to say something's really, really wrong. And that can really save our nation. Please don't give up, uh, Dr. Crystal. Please don't stop doing what you're doing yourself, Dr. Trozy, Dr. Shoemaker, Dr. Mackis, all of you, Dr. Charles Hoff, all of the amazing people that are, you know, stepping out. Um, thank you so much. I can't tell you. Please don't stop um, and get back on Twitter because all the cool people are, are there now and you're getting your, your things back. Yeah. yeah. I know. Well, I, I really, I, I might one day. I'd love to um, see you there. I, I'll, I'll promote it. Yeah. I would just like to mention because yes. uh, all of us physicians who are still, uh, you know, actively uh, fighting, we have no incomes. And so we're, you know, if anyone is able to support us, Take Action Canada has a, a donate page um, for us, which is excellent, amazing. So if um, anyone could, you know, has the means and, and wants to support us, that would be so amazing. And, and we appreciate any and all uh, donations of any size. Um, it all helps to keep us fighting. So we appreciate that. Is uh, That's TakeActionCanada.com, I believe. Dot .ca, I dot think. .ca. Okay. Yeah. We'll put that up on a graphic. And by all means, thank anybody you. that can help these doctors to help humanity, thank you so much. And to your little precious family for uh, sharing you with us uh, this afternoon. We appreciate it, Dr. Thank you Crystal. for having me. Great. And, and let's talk so again to get an update on what you're doing. I just, I love you. You're, you are such a courageous person. 
thank you for having integrity, something that a lot of people don't have any longer in your field. Thank you very thank much. You. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Okay. I know that what she is talking about is absolutely true because when my father was in the hospital, I got to see the worst of humanity. I, I, I literally don't know what to say. There was male nurses and female nurses and all of them uh, were pretty much dead in the soul. There was one fellow that I liked. I thought he was, oh, and the last day there was a beautiful nurse that came in and she was a breath of fresh air. I, I mean, you could tell the light from the darkness. It was so obvious who actually had a soul. And this was in the COVID ward and it was the death ward. And they didn't care. Um, I was told that my father would have died if I didn't show up. And they, nobody was going to be looking after the patients. So do you know what they do? They tell you not to show up. They don't let the unvaccinated into the hospitals. Still a lot of places now. I mean, it's nothing but hogwash. Everything we talk about every single day on this show tells us the truth about what we should be doing about all of this. Because we have the data, we have the verification, and yet, um, and yet, the the they just keep on doing exactly what they want to do, um, and and telling the lies, hiding. They are cowards. They're bought out, and we all know this. And most of our doctors, when I'm talking to you as the public, you probably don't have an awakened doctor. And either A, they really truly don't know. And you have to wonder, how did you become a doctor and not know what's going on? Why would doctors not be listening to those who are so loudly proclaiming that we've got a problem? Are they not watching the, the death counts going up across the world, are they not speaking to their own patients? You've got to know that there are harms. And I do think that perhaps uh, in some provinces, we have a worse problem than others. And that's alarming, isn't it? That's alarming because we know that uh, how bad is my batch? You can actually go to how bad is my batch. I think it's .com and you can check out your, uh, you got your shot and you got a number you put your batch number in there and you can see how bad your batch is. So, you know, different batches go to different places. And this was one of the concerns that Dr. Hoff had because they seem to have rolled out some really bad shots into the First Nations community. I cried foul as soon as I heard that was happening. That was before we met Dr. Charles Hoff. There's something in your spirit that tells you something's not going very well right now. And if you can't get good care and you're scared to go to the hospital, that's not good. And JT, I did do a share um, on the system is obviously broken, says uh, Nova Scotia man whose wife died in the ER. Now this just came out. Um, Allison Holthoff, 37, waited hours to see a doctor at Cumberland Regional Healthcare Center. And this was posted today, January 9th. There's the couple. That woman right there is now dead. Well, what happened? Well, a trip to the emergency room at the Cumberland Regional Healthcare Center on New Year's Eve, just a few days ago, turned into a nightmare. Listen to what she went through. Uh, so the husband said his wife, Allison, began feeling sick the morning of December 31st, but thought she just had an upset stomach. When it worsened throughout the morning, 
Halthoff drove his wife to the nearest emergency department in Amherst, Nova Scotia, around 11 a.m. Halthoff said he carried Allison into the hospital on his back. You know, right there when you're carrying your spouse into the hospital, like carrying them, uh, maybe there's a big problem. She was obviously in pain, he told CBC News in an interview on Sunday. I was rolling her in the wheelchair and she could hardly sit up. The pair waited for more than six hours in the emergency department, a person having to be carried in and then in a room inside the unit as Allison's pain worsened. Holthoff said it was after 6 p.m. before they even saw a doctor and Allison received any treatment at all. But by then it was too late. You, you know the score, right? Going to those emergencies. I swear I often wonder what's going on because... You just sit there for hours. Now, when you go to see a doctor, uh, usually you can assess everything, you know, within 15 minutes, right? You, you, you can say, oh, you know, I've got a really bad pain here. Oh, well, what is it? You know, like, are you having an appendicitis attack or spleen or, you know, what do you got going on? You can assess them. All right. So 15 minutes. So I'm sure you have more than one doctor on, don't you? Or even if you have one. So they should at least at the very minimal be able to see, you know, four patients per hour, right? Well, you look at any given emergency room, it's not like there's like 300 patients there, not at all. In fact, sometimes you're just sitting there with two other people in the, in the room and you, you can't get in for three hours. No one else has come in and, and you can't even get like into somewhere to be assessed. Well, are you telling me that there's, you know, 30 patients uh, behind the scenes over there? Then you get, you get put in, you can see there's a ton of empty rooms in there. Like what's going on? Is it a death culture? Like, you know, maybe if we take long enough, they'll die and we won't have to actually treat, treat them. What is happening? None of us ever want to end up going to the hospital. Okay, well, listen, this is what happens. So Allison does die while waiting for care at this hospital. After they were triaged, Holthoff recalled the nurses asked for a urine sample. When he took Allison to the bathroom, he couldn't support her alone and she fell to the floor. I couldn't get her up myself, so I went outside the door and just asked for help. Two security guards had to assist her. When Holthoff took Allison back to the waiting room, he said she was no longer able to sit in the wheelchair the hospital had provided because of the pain she was in. So she ended up lying on the floor. So she's lying on the floor. I told the nurses and the lady at the desk, listen, you know, um, I think it's getting worse. You know, the blank stare that we often get from, from going to... I mean, there's a heartless community. There's something bad going on. And to any emergency people listening to me, like something has to give, something has to change here. Because I don't know if you're just used to seeing so many sick people and I have a feeling it's going to get a little bit worse. But if you don't have a heart, maybe don't work there. Maybe find yourself another job. Be, be an accountant. Most of them don't have hearts anyways. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of accountants. Um, I always have for a long time, right? I, I love accountants. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the security guards in time, they brought the couple blankets out. Oh, so they brought them blankets out as she lays on the emergency floor. And a cup of water so that he could put some ice chips on her lips. Uh, this is heartbreaking. As more time passed, Allison told her husband she felt like she was dying. He approached the nurses a few more times. 
wow, nurses. Who's the nurses at this hospital? You should be ashamed, humiliated, and embarrassed. Whoever was working on that shift, just quit. Quit now. Go do something else. There's a what? Oh, right. Nova Scotia Health Union say ERs in crisis after emailed warning of dying patients. Right. So that'll probably lead me to something else, won't it? Or will it actually stay on this page? Oh, did it stay there? Staff shortages made worse by rise in seasonal illness, as union leaders say. Right. So they're just going to say whatever they want to say. So this woman, let's see. So basically, um, around 3 p.m., the couple were taken to a room with a bed, but no medical equipment. Holthoff said he had to help Allison use a bedpan and use paper towel from a roll on the wall to clean up. At some point there, she was getting worse, and she started to scream out in pain, he said. A nurse came in and checked Allison's blood pressure again and saw it was alarmingly low. Holthoff said that's when things started to change and the care became more urgent. Oh, thank you. When they finally saw a doctor, they still hadn't received any test results. Then as the nurses prepped Allison for an x-ray, Holthoff said he watched her as her condition worsened. She was in so much pain she couldn't breathe. Oh, now we're going to get the x-ray, you know, now that she's almost dead. He tried to comfort her and assured her the doctors would determine what was causing her pain. The next thing is her eyes rolled back in her head and her chest started rising. Something started beeping, he said. The next thing you hear is over the PA, code blue, code blue in x-ray. Holthoff said the room flooded with people while she was, well, where were all these people? While she was sent to the hallway, a doctor later told him they, while he was sent to the hallway, a doctor later told him they resuscitated Allison three times to no avail. Even if she would have survived at that point, she had too long a time without sufficient blood flow to the brain and vital organs, it would have been not a life worth living. So this beautiful lady, December 31st, dies. Since that day, Holthoff said he feels left in the dark. The results of Allison's autopsy haven't been released, and he hadn't heard from anyone in government except his local MLA for at least a week after her death. Holthoff said the healthcare system failed his wife, and he doesn't want her death to be in vain. We need a change in the system. It's obviously broken, or if it's not broken yet, it's not too far off, Holthoff said. Something needs to improve. I don't want anybody else to go through this. I want a spot where if my kids break their legs, we can take them to the hospital if anything happens. So this beautiful woman was a mother of three school-age children. She was also the deputy chief and treasurer of the Tidnish Bridge Fire Department. She had won a Volunteer of the Year Award for working work organizing community events like Pancake Breakfast and the annual Children's Party. I, I, I don't, th this is so painful, I don't to even uh, have words for how this could have happened. How could she not be seen for six hours in Nova Scotia? <clears throat> you guys have a lot of answering to do, and, and I am personally sickened. And it's the reason that we are all, we are all not happy if, if we think something's wrong. 
listen, God is our hope and our helper. You need to take someone to the hospital. You've got to do it anyways, but get your prayer warriors around you. You know, this all goes to how we have to get our community around us now. Um, something very evil has been unleashed in the world and it's a lack of care. It's all of this talk about depopulation. When you talk about getting rid of people, you breed a cancerous like demeanor and, and, and a, a thought process, a, an environment of lack of empathy for those who are sick. And it's so disturbing. And I'm very sad for that family. Children, not with their mom today. Because a woman goes in to the ER and lies on the floor for hours. What is wrong with you all? That didn't strike a bell. The husband keeps going up there. What kind of sick people are sitting at that desk and not doing something and sensing something's wrong? So my, um, well, this might come in. Yeah, let's put up this. Uh, there's going to be a, um, there's going to be an event. Stand United, heroes take action. The people say no. Bill 36, no right to choose. Uh, this is going to be a, um, I can't see the bottom of it there because of that. There we go. Wednesday, January 18th at David Ebby's office uh, on West Broadway, Vancouver, BC from 12 till 3, everyone. If you are free that day, if you would be able to go to David Ebby's office, there will be a stand and a, a protest at what's happening with respect to Bill 36. Bill 36, uh, that is the one, we deal with a lot of bills, but that is the one where they have to get vaccinated, I believe, right? It's a provincial bill here in British Columbia. And basically it's stating that you can't even uh, go to school um, to become a doctor or be involved in any of that unless you get the vaccine. And I personally know people that are involved in these programs and I don't see how you can force things on people. My body, my choice, right? Wasn't it? I don't know. Our website is lauralyn.tv and I'm sorry to close on this very bad note. Um, thank you very much for your support, for standing with us. This is, it's a very dark day it's a very sad day in Canada when we do not feel like we are getting the help that we need. And of course, we've all been to an emergency ward and we want to know that we're being cared for in the best possible. Didn't Canada pride themselves on this not too long ago? Everything that's happened has taken the value of life, caring for others down a notch. Well, I thank you for those of you that support us telling the truth every day. Thank you. We're here and in this together. And it's not all bad news, by the way. Some, some great things are happening. There is an awakening happening. There is a group that are kind of beginning to go, okay, I think maybe something's wrong. Because even the mainstream media, um, there's been a few articles lately about uh, the, you know, the things that are going on. For, for one thing, the death rates and also the fact that people are questioning the vaccine with all of the 
public sudden adult death, um, you know, things that are going on, they are beginning to question that. And so if you go to my website at lauralyn.tv, you'll be able to uh, see all of our shows. If I'm ever not on any of the platforms that you're watching right now, uh, sometimes, you know, they give me another ban for speaking the truth and talking openly about some of our concerns as Canadians and as citizens of this planet. They don't like it, so then they shut me down for a while. Well, don't think that I'm just not doing programs. Uh, definitely go to Rumble. Definitely go to BitChute and check out the, um, the, the programs that I'll be continuing to do. And if you go to my website um, at laurelin.tv, you can see usually the latest ones that are up there. We're also on podcasts, so you don't have to watch. You can just download it from Podbean, is it, JT? And Spotify, you go there, you download it to your phone, and you get to listen anytime you like, all day or night. How exciting is that? And we just thank you so much for your donations and for your support of this work. The only way this gets done is through your help, and we definitely appreciate it. We hope to be bringing you very, very good news, and uh, I feel sad on this sad note today. But, you know, sometimes in order to actually highlight something and bring, um, bring any sort of change, you've got to look at what is. And the truth destroys the darkness. When you see the light of the truth, it, it can really make a difference. And so hopefully this kind of show will be passed to, you, you never, my shows end up, it's the strangest thing in all kinds of people's hands and, uh, doctors, um, teachers, lawyers, government officials end up seeing shows like this. And then perhaps maybe some sort of change can be affected. We're tired of not feeling safe. I think that's been a real concern in Canada. So thanks for your support, your donations. And also if you're thinking about where to um, invest some of your funds and if you'd like to buy gold and silver, which is a safe bet, uh, at least you have it in your grubby little hands and you can put it in a safe or whatever, but you've got something that has value, that, that stays with its value and it's being artificially kept low, an all-time low for silver. And our fellow that we deal with, his name is Steve Merrill. You can contact him, and uh, that would be at sovereign, sovereignize at protonmail.com and get his advice. So I appreciate that. I want to leave you today with a scripture that's going to give you hope because there is hope. I am not happy that any one of my family members could end up having to go to a hospital with a real emergency and not feeling very good, not knowing at any given time if, um, if, the vaccine status will be respected uh, if I'll be able to visit you know in the hospitals because they're changing their rules here and there and then it, there's no co cohesiveness one hospital allows it the other hospital is still completely in the dark this is a, a living breathing ridiculous time of lies being allowed to be the you know the propaganda that is put out there and just like Dr. Pierre Corey said today, you know, mainstream media is just so culpable in all of this. May they change. Amen. David's song of praise in 2 Samuel 22. I was listening in, in my ear on BibleGateway.com. And this one really stood out because it was so incredible. So David had had victory over his enemies, including... Um, the hand of Saul. Saul had been trying to kill him. 
And this is what David said after he had been shot at with those arrows and, and he had been hunted like an animal. He had been hunted. They wanted to kill him. It, it was so bad. He was a real man and he was hunted. And this is what it says. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Was it his shield that delivered him? Was it his mighty uh, enforcement all around him? He had tremendously courageous men around him. But David gave all credit to God as his protector. So we pray protection over our loved ones today. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior. From violent people, you save me. We have violent people on this planet. And we now trust the name of the living God to be our fortress and our protector. We don't need anything else. And maybe we don't have anything else. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. Wow. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Let me tell you something. When we're angry, it's one thing. When God gets angry at the mistreatment of his kids, oh, it's a whole nother ball game. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and he came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him and the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. Can you believe that God is so powerful that he parts the darkness? And he's like a bolt of lightning. That's where we put our hope. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.